welcome to another episode of Tied Together. My name is Richard Pondock, I'm the CEO at Cohesis, and today I'm very excited to say that we have with us Beata Green, who is the founder of Head Channel and is going to talk to us all today uh, about the technical talent shortage. Uh, there's, a, there's a massive change in the market due to a whole bunch of different reasons and uh, Head Channel are specialists in uh, being able to build incredibly high-performing software teams and uh, Bianna has a lot of experience in that arena. So hi Beata. Hi, hello Rich. If you could just give everyone and the listeners a little bit of an idea about, about your background and how you came to be at Head Channel. So firstly, thank you very much for inviting me to be on this podcast. It's, it's really a pleasure to be here today. And yes, I'm very excited to be able to share with you more information about building very capable remote working teams I came to be with Head Channel over 10 years ago now. Um, I've joined from the corporate world and the, the history is a bit more convoluted than that. Um, I came to live in the UK 30 years ago. It was a completely different country as far as job prospects were concerned, specifically for foreigners. So I found my way to the IT purely by chance, simply because I applied to Financial Times to be in the IT management training program. And I've been lucky enough to be chosen out of 500 candidates and went through very rigorous training process. And I fell in love with IT. I fell in love with its freedoms, with the ability to learn, with uh, being able to progress so quickly. The industry offered so many more opportunities than any other industry, and, and it's still doing so to these days. So I went through different roles in financial times. Then I went to work in the banking industry, in the home office. But my heart was always with the small business. Uh, so I wanted to do something that is useful, that adds value, that results can be seen more quickly than, you know, than in the corporate world where the paperwork sometimes took six months to, you know, to progress through various departments. So I've joined, uh, created Head Channel, joined and created Head Channel over 10 years ago. And we've progressed from being a very small company to a much, much larger set of teams. And I'm very pleased to say today that we are currently in a position that uh, we are, in addition to delivering projects, we are able to offer dedicated uh, talent and dedicated teams. Great. And I suppose that kind of sets us up for the next part of, of this talk, which is which is really around the, the talent shortage that everyone is facing, especially in the in the technical areas. So, you know, can you give us a kind of a, an idea of what you've seen around, you know, the current things that are causing the talent shortage? So there's so many things right now. I mean, obviously, COVID was the main accelerator of this talent shortage because um, the technology has just boosted. There were so many adaptation and amendments to the way we work. So with the talent shortage, which, which was already there, that, that it even accelerated more so now. So the, the finding tech skills presents a real challenge for businesses. And as a result, many companies struggle to find and recruit the best people, and they struggle even to find the people who want to do the interviews for them. 
So from our experience, we have clients who call us and say that they've lost their top developers because someone in Google or someone in Facebook offers them so much more money. And so from the perspective of small businesses, it's very, very difficult to compete with that. And that puts them in a very difficult situation. You know, you can't really, being a small business, you can't keep paying your developer 120k per year. It's just, it's just not going to work. So that that's really the main issue. So you said, yeah, you said COVID. Obviously, is is there anything, any other kind of factors that that have also exacerbated it? So that that's a very good question. Obviously, we have this war in the Ukraine going on. This terrible, terrible war. In addition to so many other implications, it impacted uh, in, it impacted the resource talent, which was previously based in the Ukraine. So I don't know whether everyone knows, but Ukraine is technology of Europe or was technology of Europe. And the country is home to over a quarter of a million of specialists. And before the war, you had this major cities like Kiev, Dnipro, Kharkiv, Odessa, Lvov, which were major, major source of tech talent. And in fact, that was one of the Ukrainian exports. So now, in total, around a quarter of this million were disrupted, displaced, and that's just within the Ukraine. So that's really another issue that, that came on board, and that, that really also exasperated what the companies are struggling in today, which that makes it even more difficult to, to find people to really keep ongoing innovation going. Yeah, okay. And um, obviously, COVID and the war in Ukraine has, has been... You know, it's all, all come together, really, to, to cause this pinch on, on technical talent. But it's also, I think, and certainly from the COVID point of view, changed the complexion slightly the other way as well, in the fact that people can work, well, people, are, uh, certainly technical industry have always been able to work remotely, but, you, you know, it's much more accepted now. You know, people used to, like, oh, we need to build a, a software team. They all need to be in the same place because they need to do stand-ups every day. Physically, they need to do pair programming. They need to be there physically. You know, what are you seeing around around that and the remote piece of it? So that that's really changed for every industry as we know it. But for technology, specifically for technology, flexibility has become such a key, and that is predominantly driven with this issue of talent shortage because the developers and other technology talent is so hard to come that they become a very priced commodity. And what they want, what they want in their job, they want a good salary that's that's given. But because they are getting this good salary, this other sort of requirements became more and more important to them. So flexibility is the key. And that flexibility is in number of hours they work, when they work, how they work. And in fact, what we found from our own experience is that if we were to go to the market and say, look, you know, we want to employ you, but you have to work from the office, we would lose our candidates so easily because absolutely no one wants to work in the office, (laughs) very rarely. Not even if it's got a foosball table. No, I mean, maybe, maybe if you offer free (laughs) dinners three times a day, like apparently Google does in London, then... (laughs) then uh, maybe you can tempt someone to be in the office a couple of days a week. But I think uh, for majority of the people, at least in our office, we, we hardly can, you know, we hardly anyone works from the office. They're happy to come to meet face-to-face once a week, maybe once a month for social 
but flexibility has become a major trading card in, in getting people to do the work for you. And it's also about things like, for them, being able to pick up the kids from school, what they need to so travel and work. Um, so if you're able to offer this as the employer, it becomes you know, a huge trading card. And in fact, I have recently seen the post on LinkedIn by someone who was praising their employer for letting them travel and work for a couple of months. And I thought it was great. What's a, what's a PR for that employer? The employee advertising them to God knows how many thousands of their connections saying how great that employee is because it allows that flexibility. So, uh, yeah, so I would strongly uh, encourage you to consider that aspect of offering people as much flexibility as they need. And obviously, you have to be sure that they do the work. There is no question about that. But there are ways to uh, to be able to ensure that you've got that information. Yeah, it's it's more about the output that they produce, isn't Correct. it? Really, than than where they are or what they're specifically doing. It's the it's the output that really matters. What else would you say that is useful? to help retain the current team that you have and also you know if you're if you're going to to someone you know like head channel and actually uh, having them put together a team for you you know what are the, some of the other factors that, that that might be useful for them to um, keep the team engaged so, so in terms of the current team because we we're sort of not talking about recruitment here is there are a few things so mainly Another thing which is very important for technology talent is being able to learn. So they, they get very easily bored when they're on the same project. They get very easily bored if their requirements are not specified properly. But it's a, for them, a, a lot of the time is about learning and progressing. They don't want to be stuck on the same project for too long. They want to learn new technologies. They want to move on to something that is more exciting. So you have to keep sure in your plan of work and in your plan of training that you account for these things. So what we do in Head Channel and, and Cohesus in terms of this, we do two things. One, we have the learning plan for each of our individuals so and the budget allocated to it. So once a year we agree with them this training plan and then we monitor it on the ongoing basis. But also in a larger group we have what's called guilds. So Guilds really is amazing because it enables people to share the knowledge amongst different members of the team. So they can learn not just from each other in terms of programming, but they can learn how the other agencies work and you know what, what, what's the latest in the market. And also they can have fun together. So, so that's really exciting. And I think anything like this that you can do is, is amazing. The other thing, which is not so much related with training, is really to try to build up the culture which offers empathy and support. And it's sort of challenging with remote teams and also not just with the remote teams, but teams that possibly come from different cultures because you have people working now in different countries. You have people that have different, you know, maybe, you know, you've got more inclusive company culture. So you have to take into account these different circumstances which were not there before. And again, specifically for a small business, it's something that to some extent might be you know, more, more new. But I think a lot of it can be resolved when you've got a strong company culture that looks after your people, genuinely you want to look after your people. So you can do quick wins. You can think how to really enable better communication and, and they can be done through 
suggesting some non-structured time, non-work topics, creating online video games, um, maybe virtual competition. So you, you just really need to think what works for you. And for us, I think what always worked well is having the ability to, we're looking after small things. So things like remembering about people's birthdays, remembering about Women's Day celebration, anything. If someone joins the company, give them, you know, give them a little present, welcome them to the team. So things which are not really expensive, but can add a lot of value from the perspective of um, the employee. And I think it's important that you communicate a lot as well in terms of the company strategy, where, where, where you are as a business, keep the open door policy, because yeah, there is never enough communication in a business, never enough. So over communicate, be always there for people, try to create that community, try to think of quick wins. I mean, in, in a way, it's very simple, but uh, it, can <laughs> it be sounds tricky. simple, but it, it's not easy, right? It's not easy. No, not no. at all. No. And I, I think that's one of the interesting things, because I think a lot of businesses you know, especially over the last few years have gone on this uh, process of in-housing and, they, and, and they've, they've gone, okay, well, you know, rather than having a software company build our product, we're, we're going to create a team internally and we're going to build uh, an agile team internally. And I think, you know, that they've, you know, some of those companies have learned, I, I saw a presentation yesterday from the BCS where they were, they were talking about it, have learned that actually the culture, getting the culture right is actually quite hard. And typically, a developer technical culture is very different to, you know, the, the, the kind of culture of some of these big businesses. So those cultures are mismatched. And, you know, instead of trying to create a safe kind of environment for, for the technical teams and separating them from the business, they've kind of brought them in and, and tried to put the big company's culture into that, into that team. And I, I think that that doesn't work. And I think, you know, obviously with the world changing so much now and you know you're starting to see that maybe in-housing the whole swing towards in-housing is actually the pendulum starting to swing the other way because of the way the market is and you know the way that the cost of living is and everything like that you know it might be time for bigger companies to start to think about actually you know could they build a better team outside of the business rather than having them inside the business so yeah, I think you know all of those points kind of converge into 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 that in my mind certainly. We're going to talk. About, I know everyone loves to talk about rates, but I know you're also uh, doing a series of webinars and you're covering rates in there. So I don't think we should you know, try and talk about rates specifically in this. But what what are the the other things the team would value, or you've seen teams value uh, that you you've created and built? So. The, the other thing which they value, it might be a bit more obvious, but it's about how you work remotely. And it, it's not just about using the remote friendly solutions. It's about trying to think how we can work remotely first. And, and I mean, the two good examples and suggestions I would make is really in relation to how you share the information, how you communicate, and also how you arrange for for remote meetings as well. So I think what's very useful to in working remotely is to using whiteboards. So every time you have the team meeting and you're discussing anything, put it on a whiteboard and get people to sort of comment as you go along uh, because that gives that visibility as well to everyone. So 
pick up your tools from the perspective which ones will offer the best collaboration rather than what you used to. So, so think proactively on this. And the second thing is, I think we are all overloaded with online meetings and there's no question about that. Um, so be sure that you structure these meetings a little bit better. And in a way, just to give you the example, if there is a meeting to, for example, discuss new requirements, you could prepare the agenda, prepare the agenda a couple of days in advance, share the agenda with people, share the diagrams with people, let them comment online, give them their own time to comment. Some people respond faster, some people respond slower. So that will bring everyone in line for that meeting, which then can only focus on discussing the important points. And always, always put the time for the meeting. So try to make sure that the meetings are structured in a way that they use that they use the time in the most effective way. And by blocking the time for everyone, you can ensure that the sort of the main points are being discussed and everyone reaches the consensus at the end. So those are just the small things and more practical things, but I think that helps the team also to to structure and sort of move forward with with the work that they have. Okay, that's great. I, I, and just for some people who are listening who are probably thinking, you know, that they've got a team, an existing team, but they're struggling with them. They're not performing in the way that they, they might. What are some of the, th- the first things that you'd look for? Um, that's such a, such a topical question for us because we, we have a case in a company now where we, there is a team that we've placed and which joined the, the client's team. And sadly, there's so many issues out there now because the project probably is not progressing as fast as it was initially anticipated. So we started looking with the client at the efficiency of the whole process. And as it transpired, which has reached the point that you've mentioned before, often the issues are in the process itself. So in theory, this del- delivering of the software is, is not, as you know, it needs specific skills. And, and in our view, based on years of experience, it needs a very strong software development process. And if you don't follow this process from the beginning to an end, whichever process this is, it's Agile, Waterfall, Scrum, you are really going to get yourself in trouble. So... The point that you've made before is whether it wouldn't be easier for the companies to outsource. And I believe the, the, the sort of the, to create dedicated teams and deliver the projects outside of, you know, your in-house team. Often companies believe that this is not the most efficient way. But what we're seeing time and time again, that because unless you have the skills and unless you have the teams and unless you understand how you deliver that software process, it's much better and more efficient for you to really give the projects to the the dedicated teams and the company who know, who absolutely understand that process and knows how to deliver efficiently. Because, you know, you think you might know, but you don't. And then you end up, you know, it costs money. It really costs money to go back there two years later and untangle everything from the beginning. Your timeline is sleeping. It costs you much more and it's just not worth it. Yeah. Okay. Some good points there. Well, you know, I think we've covered quite a lot of, of ground there, Beata. Do you think there's anything else that you think is important? So I, I would say that if you run a company where you struggle to attract and retain great people, where you've got internal teams that are focused on support work, that you lack the bandwidth to do your work, 
you know, you cannot set of skills to do the work, where your time to market is critical, then do consider using the company that can, software development company that can help you to deliver and can offer you the talent and the advice, because in my view, that will be the investment well spent. Yeah. And that is certainly one way that you can get around the, the technical talent shortage is by using the experts who actually, you know, have the connections to those types of people and can actually build those teams quickly. Okay, great. Well, thank you, Beata. Thank you very much for your time. Obviously, people can go and find out more about you at... So, headchum.co.uk or you can find me on LinkedIn and my LinkedIn profile is Beata, B-E-A-T-A, Green, at Headchum. Yeah. We'll stick a link in the description for this. Thank you very much, Beata. That's the end of another fascinating uh, episode of Tied Together. We hope you've all enjoyed it. And uh, please do like and favorite us as it really helps. Thank you very much. Thank you. And it's, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this edition of Tied Together. If you have any comments or you have any feedback for us, you can always email us at tiedtogether at kihesis.co.uk. 